after my uncle died, the sun seemed to shine a little bit brighter to me. Honestly, I wasn't quite sure what had happened to him, even still after seeing his body in a casket and having to sing at his funeral. I was 11, so I still didn't understand. But once I didn't see him again for a few months after, I think I was starting to. One day, my mama came in my room to talk to me. We were laughing and cracking jokes, talking about some silly thing that had just happened. Funny thing is, she still do that today. Barge in my room, don't even care about what I'm doing. And we just talk. I don't mind it sometimes though. And I especially didn't mind it on that summer's day back when I was 11. She sat on my bed and I had this pink silk cover. You could flip it on the other side and it would give you a whole new comforter. <laughs> on one side it was pink and on the other side it was a royal purple looking color with flowers, I believe. I always loved flowers. And this cover was so smooth, felt like butter on my skin. I was so excited to be in this house. I had never had my own room before, let alone my own big queen size bed to myself with the silky cover. <laughs> So I loved it. Back in the day. Oh Lord, not me saying back in the day. Wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> Y'all, why I'm talking like I'm 80 years old. <laughs> I ain't number 29, Lord Jesus. Child, you know they say some folks just old on the inside. I guess I'm just some folks then. Anyway, my mama came in there and I can't really remember what we were talking about. All I can remember is us laughing. And in the midst of our laughs, it just came out. Ma, Uncle K molested me. What? She said. I can't really tell you what happened after that, but I can recall her hugging me and looking very sad like any mother would when she hears her youngest daughter say such a thing. You know, I forgot to tell y'all something and I just remembered. I forgot to expound on what it was like to live in Raleigh Woods before we even moved to the big house. Now, I'm gonna try to be brief in what it was like to live over there for those couple years, but knowing me, I may be just a little long-winded with this episode because <laughs> there's so much I'm trying to pack in here. I want us to at least get to my testimony by the next episode, so I'm gonna try to be short and brief. Anyway, in short, Raleigh Woods should have been called Riley Hood, because that's what it was. It was gangbangers, shootouts, broken beer bottles on the side of the pool when us kids was trying to go swimming. One time, I got a piece of beer bottle glass stuck in my foot. My mama tried to pop it with a safety pin. I was screaming like some off the exorcist. <laughs> I ended up going to the hospital because the infection got so bad. So it was days like that and my teenage brother fighting with some other teenage boy named Jimmy almost every day. Me fighting with other little girls up the street. My sister sitting on the balcony talking to some guy who liked her. He looked like the rapper Lil Nas. <laughs> it was so funny one day. She was having him and a friend over and my aunt stopped by the house out of the blue. They ran and hid in the closet and my aunt took a broom and tried to beat them boys out of that house. <laughs> good times, good times. Nas Jr. Well, that's what I call him. 
He used to bribe me with suckers, pickles, and noun laters. Him and his cousin, Dunny. And they did that so I didn't tell my mama whenever my sister had them over. My mama said I would come into her room when she got off work and snitch on them every other day. I was her little reporter. Mama, TJ did this. Mama, Tati did that. Ooh, mama. <laughs> you won't believe what they did now. <laughs> she said she knew something was wrong when she would ask me, what did they do today, Takaya? And I started saying, oh, nothing. They were good. We all stayed at home and watched movies. They were real good, mama. She said I would smile after giving her a good report and leave out of her room skipping with blue lips and a purple tongue from having so much candy. She said she could tell by the way I skipped that she knew I was lying. <laughs> good times. And how could I forget? Along with candy, pickles, freeze cups, Lil Nas Jr. and Donnie, there was my big brother Rail. You know... He would literally sit up and talk to me like I was his age. And he was seven, eight years older than me. Sitting up here talking to a nine-year-old about life, God, spirits, and whatever other thing he could tell me that would keep a nine-year-old's attention. I sat up under him for days and hours just listening to him and my sister talk. I was singing for him. And he would pat me on the back, smile, and say, that's my little sis. Rail made me sing for everybody in that dang on neighborhood, him and my sister. But I loved him. He was truly a good man. He was always smiling. Several years ago, I was sad to hear that he had died in those same apartments that we grew up in. He was shot to death like a dog in the street. My sister was heartbroken, and so was I. <sighs> I cried like a baby, and I hadn't even seen him in over a decade since we moved out of those apartments. Yet the pain was still there like we just finished beatboxing together or just finished singing and going up the street to the candy lady to buy a freeze cup. I mean, the pain still felt fresh, and it hurt. My sister still kept in touch with him, though, and they even spent time together. She was worried when she hadn't heard from him in a few days, so she went by his mother's house and said... I've been calling Rail and he ain't been answering the phone. She broke down and cried right there on the spot when she heard his mama say, Baby, my baby is dead. He got shot in Raleigh Woods a few days ago. <sighs> his death inspired this song that I wrote, but I don't want to sing it right now. I'm actually doing okay today, you know? And I don't want to make myself sad by picking at old wounds. Besides... It wasn't all bad. Like I said, Riley Woods had the bad about it because we was in the hood, but it also had some good too. Me and my friends would go to the candy lady 20 times a week. I mean, finding anything to do around the house, any chore we could do just so we could get a dollar from our mamas to get us some freeze cups. So all of my memories weren't bad. My friend Charity lived over there, and since she never came back to my grandmother's house after that night, it was nice to finally be able to spend some time with her again and go spend the night with her and her siblings. And that's the way it was. There's some details that I'm leaving out because, honestly, I don't even want to talk about some of it. I just want to leave it right there on a positive note. But I will say this, though. By the age of 11, I have been molested 
and made to do things by two older girls, three boys, and one grown man. I mean, one summer I went to visit some kinfolks who lived a ways away from us, and I couldn't even be a kid and enjoy myself for my older cousin groping me and kissing me and making me cry because I didn't want him to do that to me. I just wanted to enjoy my summer vacation. I just wanted to be a kid. I remember my little cousin who was with me because her mama came and got me and I was going back with them to her house after this vacation with my cousins was over. We were in some hotel and my baby cousin had to be about five or six. I can't remember, but I can recall that she was very young and her little voice was so high pitched and soft. And I was sitting in the hotel hallway by the elevator crying. And she came and said, Takaya, are you okay? And she was smiling, but so concerned. She just wanted to make sure her big cousin was okay. But how do you talk to a child about molestation and being touched and feeling like no matter where I went, this thing kept following me? People kept wanting to touch me. How do you say that to a little cousin with big old bubbly eyes who just loves you and wants to make sure you're okay? You don't. So I just cried. And I looked at her and I said, I'll tell you when you're older. And I never did. Sometimes I truly hated being pretty growing up because I hated the attention. I hated singing. I hated glowing. I hated whatever it was that was in me that made other people want to touch me and use me and hurt me. I truly just wanted to be a child. And I didn't get to experience much of that when I was growing up. And it left me angry. It left me wanting to fight someone. It left me crying a lot and lying to my mama about why I was crying. And when she'd ask, I would put it on school or some other thing to keep from telling her the truth. Growing up, it just seemed like everybody wanted me as some sort of sex object or some. Seemed like I could do nothing about it either. Like this was just my lot in life. Hmm. Anyway, let's move on from here. So, from Raleigh Woods, there was this big house. Then we lived in English Village, some old ghetto apartments. <laughs> but I had good memories over there, too. I mean, I did until I came home one day and all our stuff was outside. And my mama was yelling and crying and telling me to get my piano she just bought for Christmas from off the ground. Not to mention, before the eviction, we got robbed over there. And my brother was playing with some matches and set my mama's white truck on fire. And that was after he and his friends stole the truck and got into a wreck because he couldn't drive. He had to get stitches on his eye and some medicated eye drops because of it. Lord have mercy. Raising kids was not meant to be a single parent's job. After English Village, we moved back in with my granny so that my mom could save up a little bit more. I didn't really care for it because of what I thought about her and her son all them years, so I was short-tempered with her. 
I wasn't too kind to her during those days. Now, I wasn't evil, and I ain't do nothing crazy or anything. It's just when she'd ask me to do something for her, I huffed and puffed and rolled my eyes. And one time I argued with the screaming to the top of my lungs, repeating back to her what I heard some of my older cousins say about her. Like I said, I wasn't evil, but I wasn't kind either. It wasn't until I got older one day and I was sitting at her house and I started asking her questions about her childhood and her life because she was good at telling stories. Sometimes I wondered, is that where I got it from? My storytelling, that is. My mama tells good stories too, so maybe we both got it from her. It's a gift, you know? You just open up your mouth and talk and people listen. So here she was talking to me and my ears were wide open. She talked to me about cleaning for white folks when she was a little girl and how mean they used to be back in the day. And it was just interesting. After she was done telling me stories, I walked into the living room and got by myself for a moment because she was sitting at the kitchen table using some silver thing to open up mail like she always did. It was in that moment. I shed a few tears right then because it was in that moment that I knew, I knew that she didn't know about her son touching me all those years and that I needed to forgive her and forgive myself for being angry with her. Unfortunately, I was already 19 when this moment happened. And by the time I actually wanted to try to build something with her and get to know her, she was so much older. So I didn't get to learn too much about her. Her health started declining a few years later and the next thing I knew, she was gone. And now I was really mad. Mad at myself at the possibility of what could have been a good grandmother and granddaughter relationship. All my life, I never wanted to get close to her. (laughs) And when I did, She was on her way out of this world. (sighs) 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 After we moved in with my grandma and my mama saved up a bit, next we moved to River Trace Apartments. I was now in the sixth grade and Finally, I started to feel a little bit of that sunshine that I was telling y'all about earlier. Of course, most of that sunshine was wrapped up in a brown skin boy named Leshawn. <laughs> That's his middle name, of course, because I don't need none of y'all and nobody trying to be nosy and see who my first love was or who I'm talking about. <laughs> Because one thing I know about y'all, honey, is y'all be nosy. And y'all will try to go look up my past and want to know every little detail. But I don't need y'all to do that. Just let me tell you the story and walk down memory lane with you and give you what I feel you need to know. I don't need none of y'all trying to go and do no extra credit assignment, okay? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We shine brown. Wow. That boy was something else. And the way we got together is hilarious. I was literally friends with this ex-girlfriend and they had just broken up. 
We was in the cafeteria, sitting at the cool girl's table, and she told me, Takaya, go over there and talk to him and see what he says about us getting back together. I said, okay, girl, I got you, I got you, I got you, girl. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday. I went over to that table, and this boy was drinking a chocolate milk. And when I asked him about her, he must have lifted up his eyebrow like he was doing an interview for the NFL or something. He looked at me with the most serious face and said, but I don't want her. I want you. And then he went back to drinking his chocolate milk like what he just said was no big deal. Ciao. <laughs> my eyes got bucked like a deer in headlights and my mouth flew open. I went back to that table, and when that girl asked me what he'd say, I told her, uh, he didn't say nothing, he didn't say nothing, but we gonna get him next time. <laughs> and every time I saw him after that, he would wink and smile at me, letting me know that his offer was still on the table. <laughs> that boy had game, didn't he? <laughs> A couple months of doing that, and I said, screw that popular girl group, screw that popular girl table, screw all y'all. And I went to that boy and told him I liked him too. The next thing I knew, we was holding hands and I was coming to his football games cheering him on because he was the star running back. Honey, I didn't know none about no football, but I learned about it because of him. I mean, I literally went out and bought Madden on the Xbox just so I could learn how to play it in case I ever had to play him on the game station one day. I'd met his mama at one of the games and his big sister and they adored me. And I loved them too, right off the bat. His mama kept telling everybody, woo, that's how she say it. <laughs> LaShawn, she's so pretty. And that's LaShawn, little girlfriend. Everybody, that's his girlfriend, y'all. <laughs> Man, good times. We spent that whole summer talking to each other on the phone for hours. We literally went to sleep on the phone every other night and stayed up to 6 o'clock in the morning one night. We were so tired that we weren't even making sense no more. Just holding the phone, being silly, and a lot, a lot of silly moments and a lot of laughs. That was the night he gave me my nickname, Bubbles. He said it was because I was always so bubbly and goofy. And I called him Snicker because... He was so dang on caramel, and he looked like he could have been mixed at times, especially with that jet black wavy hair he'd had. So I called him Snicker, and just like I loved eating Snickers, I really loved him. Child, that was some first love right there. I was so high off that boy that when I heard his birthday was coming up, September the 1st, I went and stole $100 from my own mama just to give him something for his birthday. He must have looked at me so crazy like, where in the world did you get a $100 bill from? I told him, I have been saving it up for a few months. Child, I hadn't been saving none. I was saving up on a lie and saving up on a whooping. That's what I was doing. Because <laughs> if my mama would have found out that I had done that to her, she was going to whoop my butt. She came home that day and searched me, my brother, and my sister like crazy. 
and when she didn't find it, she said she must have lost it or misplaced it somewhere. Me being 12 at the time, I didn't know that $100 was a lot of money. So when I saw her sad and talking about how she lost that $100 for weeks, I never stole from her again, and that was my last time. But I did steal from my brother, though. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yep, I did. Valentine's Day had come up, and my brother had this cologne set that was brand new that he never used, still in the box. I got that box and put it in my backpack and put it on LeSean's desk the next morning for Valentine's. Child, the next Valentine's came around and that boy bought me so much stuff I couldn't even hold it all. You know what? As I'm saying this, I just realized something. I don't even think I ever told my mama I was the one who'd taken that $100 from her. <laughs> so she may be hearing this and finding out right now, right along with y'all. Lord Jesus. Mama, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry, girl. I did it, girl. I'm sorry. I love you. Forgive me. <laughs> And TJ, you too. Sorry for stealing your cologne set that Valentine's, but it sure made Leisha happy. <laughs> Woo! Jesus, it feels good to be free. Feel good to get it off your chest. <laughs> oh, y'all, I play too much. I play too much. But man, this boy really had my heart, y'all. And from what I'd endured in my previous childhood years, he helped me. He helped me feel like a child again. Butterflies, head spinning, couldn't think right, and just pure fun. And he never wanted anything from me, but just to love me. I remember telling him one night about what had happened to me a little bit in my childhood, and he just listened to me. He was so calm and kind and easy to talk to and even though we both were from the hood he didn't act like it he always act like he was important <laughs> like he was somebody going somewhere he was literally a man even at the age of 12 and 13 and he was so mature and he made me be mature too but as the story with most first loves they have an ending and ours definitely ended in frustration. I was just so tired of hearing about how other girls had been with him in a way that I hadn't because I was still a virgin. And although I knew he loved me because he told me and showed me, and he let all them other girls know it too, still, I just got tired of hearing about it, how good my boyfriend was in bed. I felt they had one-upped me somehow and they'd felt something with him that I'd never felt. Although I asked him one time, could we do it? This boy turned around and looked at me and told me straight up, Takaya, if you're not ready to do that, we're not doing it. I want you to do it because you want to, not because you feel you have to. I want to wait until you're really ready. And then he said, besides, I'm good on that. And we both knew he'd work because he was getting a lot of it. Of course, I didn't know back then that what he was saying was that he really loved me and I was worth more to him than that. But still, with all them girls and hearing their stories through the grapevine, my anger rose up and it just wouldn't allow me to be with him anymore. So I didn't. 
and I broke up with him and started dating other people. One day, when I transferred to a new school, one of his friends took a Spanish class with me and he asked me, did I want to get back with Lee Sean? I told him no, because I don't love him anymore. And although it was a lie, however, I knew his friend had a big mouth and I knew he was gonna go tell Lishan what I told him. So I said it anyway. I was angry and it just felt good to be able to finally hurt him how he'd hurt me for being with all them girls all them years. After hearing that from his friend, he was so hurt. I mean, you could just see it on his face. And when that school year was up and I went back to my old school where Lishan was, whenever I said hey to him, he would always say, why are you talking to me? You don't love me no more. And it aggravated me, y'all. It aggravated me so much. He did that for about a month. He wouldn't even talk to me. Not to mention, before I came back, he'd heard that at the new school I went to, I lost my virginity a few days before my 16th birthday. So I'm sure that didn't go too well with him either. And honestly, the way that even happened, that was crazy too. I'm not gonna dwell on that too long, but I will say this. That boy and his mama was a little too cool and close for me. They acted more like sister and brother than a mama and a son. And I remember the day when I lost my virginity. She told me she was going to go get her nails done. She was dating some guy in the military, talking to me like we was the same age. She was cool and I liked her, but I think she might have been a little too cool. She left and looked right at me and said, y'all have fun. And that was it. And the next thing I knew, her son was on top of me talking about he ain't getting up until I give him my virginity. And that's pretty much how that went. End of story. None special. Anywho, moving on. One night, out of the blue, I started having dreams about going to hell. I didn't even really know what hell was. All I knew is that I kept dreaming about the rapture and being left behind. And one dream was so vivid that it shook me to my core. It was angels everywhere. And they started picking up people. And the people they were picking up was wearing all white. And they were taking these people into heaven. I tried to grab onto one of the angels' wings and I screamed, Please take me with you child and the angel was black not him being black y'all <laughs> child that black angel must have looked at me and shook me up off of him i hit the ground and tried to latch on to another angel now this one was white so i'm thinking okay well he gonna be a little nicer <laughs> and he did the same thing too then the next thing i knew fire started to rain from heaven and i was left behind I started seeing shadows above my bed at night and even had something hold me down this one time that was so vivid. I mean, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was laying in my bed and in the midst of this dark spirit holding me down, I remember an angel holding out his hand to me and on his hand was the word resist and it was in colorful rainbow looking colors and just glowing. As I opened up my mouth to speak the word resist, this spirit jumped off of me and I heard the shrieking scream as I saw this huge black shadow fly across my room and vanish through the walls. I opened up my teenage Bible I had just bought 
After I'd had the rapture dream, I went right to the Bible store. So this happened a few weeks later. And as soon as I opened it up, it landed on. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I cried. I didn't even know what that meant, but I knew it meant some. At this new school, before I went back to my old one, I wasn't sure what was even going on with me at the time. All I know is that I started carrying my Bible to school. I started being more reserved. I even started going natural and wearing an afro <laughs> way before it was a trend. I didn't talk much at all that year, except to act in this play that I was in called Guys and Dolls, where I had a leading role. People talked about that performance for the rest of the school year. I was so quiet that folks didn't know I'd had that in me, especially since these weren't the same friends and people I'd grown up with my whole life, other than that play though. That really was a terrible year of high school for me. I got bullied. And one day I got beat up by some guys after school because I didn't like one of them and he was mad about it. So he pulled my hoodie over my head and started punching me. He got three more of his friends to join in with him. My Bible fell to the floor and as they walked off, I cried and picked it up. I went outside to wait on my mama to come and pick me up from school and I didn't even say nothing to her about it. A few weeks later, I tried to commit suicide, but I thank God for his mercy. And I also thank God for my old friend, Tone Bone, who had called my mama and told her what I was doing and that I had taken six pills already and was about to kill myself. I literally just called him to say my final goodbyes. But when I did, he called my mama and she came up the stairs and stopped me. My mama thought it was her fault, but it wasn't. It was just life, you know? Once I told my mama that I hated that school, once the year was over, she made sure to send me back to my old school where I grew up with Leeshawn, Jay, Dee Dee, Bree, Gina, and Tone Bone, who had been my best friend since I was a child. I was happy because I thought going back to school with them would make me happy again. And maybe me and LaShawn could even get back together and it would be just like it used to be. My mama thought so too, but I don't know. It just wasn't the same. Something happened to me in the 10th grade year and it was much deeper than what I thought. And for the first time in my life, I could see that I was different, not better, not above no one else, just different, you know? I felt like I didn't fit in with anyone anymore, not even with my best friend, Jay. There were days and moments when I truly was unsure if she even loved me or not. I mean, sometimes I felt like she did, but Day by day, it was just getting so hard to even understand who my friends were, why I was even here, or what was even the purpose of all this and the purpose of my life. I started asking myself all them tough questions, questions normal 16-year-olds don't even think about. And I started thinking more, even though I was still singing. Honestly, those last two years of high school, that's truly all I ever did was sing. 
More than I did my schoolwork, I was singing somewhere in front of somebody. Moreover, even though I was still singing and people loved to hear me sing, after I got done singing though, people really didn't speak to me and I didn't speak to them. So instead of speaking, I started spending more time with myself. I started reading the Bible more. I started writing down what I saw and what I heard, except it wasn't a journal. Although I did keep a journal for every year of high school, child, and the memory box is huge. I'm scared to open them journals and go back and see how I was thinking at the ages of 13, 14, 15, and 16. Anyway, what I saw and heard started being in song form now. I remember the moment when I knew for sure I was different. The look on everybody's face let me knew it too. I couldn't get this song I had just written out of my head. And since class hadn't started yet, I just grabbed my pencil and started beating on the desk. And out of the blue, I started singing what was in my heart and what I saw. Gangster got his pants down low. Young girl holding baby in a go. Crack fiends, marijuana, all they know. Guns and gangs, solve thing for sure. You know, all my people, lack of knowledge kills them all. They close books, go shoot up the mall. Riding on twenties or ripping their sets. Anger turns into a fight, shy, dead regret. Fade away, fade away into the blackness. The blackness fade away, fade away into the brightness. Should I blend in with this world? When I stopped singing and banging on the desk, my teacher had come back into the room and his mouth was wide open. All the students were either bobbing their head or had their mouths wide open just like my teacher. And the rest of them were saying to one another, Man, that girl can sing. <laughs> when I finished singing the last word in that song, the whole room was just still. It's like people weren't even breathing, including my teacher. And they all just stared at me. And in that moment, I just knew. I was different. Everybody must have talked about that moment for the rest of the month and people kept asking me to sing Fade Away over and over again till one day I was telling my vocal coach about it and when I finished singing it to her she gave me that same look that my teacher and my classmates did that day. About a year and a half later she said she wanted me to meet somebody and the next thing I knew, I was sitting in my living room with some white man who won a Grammy for a song he produced with some rock group. And he was ecstatic about me. I sang that for him. We recorded it. And he told me, I'll be back for you. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. You know how many times I didn't heard that before? 
especially for men who claim they love me or that they gonna do something nice for me. I'll be back. Oh, I promise I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And it never happened. Folks just lie so much that it becomes second nature to them, making a thousand promises, and they never even realize how bad their broken promises hurt the person or the child they made that promise to. And because I'd heard that all my life, my heart was hardened to the promises of men. So I didn't believe him. One time I told my daddy I was going to go to American Idol to audition for the show. That man was so happy that he said he'd catch a bus just to get here to Memphis to make sure that I made it to the auditions. I called him back a few weeks later and told him I wasn't going no more. But I said, you know, you can still come down here and see me if you want, daddy. It was five years before I talked to that man again. And I'm not saying that he did it on purpose. All I'm saying is he ain't never called me back. And when I called him, his number was off because it had changed. And I didn't hear from him after that for five years. So now, this white man sitting up here telling me he's going to do something for me and come back? Yeah, right. I wanted to tell him so bad. Man, look here, white man. Just tell me you don't like me or the way I sing and we can both go our separate ways. But you ain't got to sit up here and lie to me. You ain't got to tell me all this stuff and sell me some fake dream. But I didn't say none to him. I just bobbed my head and said, okay. But inside, I was rolling my eyes. A month went by, nothing. Two months, still nothing. Three months, and I did what anybody else would do. And I moved on with my life. I graduated from high school a year early. I got into college at the University of Memphis and I was taking music classes. Even if I couldn't be a famous singer, I was going to have some to do with music. It streamed through my blood too much for me to try to ignore it. So I said, well, I guess I'll be a music teacher then. And I started my degree for it. Then one day, going into my second semester of school, out of the blue, this same white man called me and my mama back said he had to come by the house. It was important, and he would be coming this weekend. It was something he wanted me to hear. When that man pressed play on that radio in his truck that day, and me and my mama stood outside listening to it, and I had finally heard my own voice, my own lyrics, and what he produced with his band singing back to me, I cried. It was just so beautiful to me the way he took my thoughts and my voice and turned it into something so beautiful the way he smiled at me in the truck that day it was something i'd never experienced before it was hope it was dreams that finally didn't seem to be too far out of reach and it was a chance at a life that would be different than the one i'd always been accustomed to and for the first time in a long time, I was actually happy. That same day, I packed my bags, got in that tan Porsche truck with this white man, not knowing where I was going or what would happen, but I had to go where this feeling was taking me. I had to go where hope was going, and I had to trust that everything would be all right. I waved out the car window to my mama as me and this man drove off, headed to Nashville. She was teary-eyed and waving back at me. Her face was so proud. 
in that moment. I'll never forget it. And I don't know. All I know is that I just wanted to keep seeing that look on her face. That proud look that said, as a mother, I did something right. And all her labor and her tears wasn't in vain. I stared at my mama driving down the street until she became an aunt in my eye view. After I couldn't see her no more, I remember turning around and looking upside this man's head thinking, okay then, white man, let's see what you got. Fade away, fade away into 
Thank you for listening to the Godly Chick Podcast. Tune in next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the continuation of Takaya's journey as well as her testimony. Don't forget to follow Godly Chick Ministries on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Godly Chick. That's G-O-D-L-Y-C-H-I-K. And always remember, when you know who's you walking with, it ain't hard to be a godly chick. Have a blessed day, and I look forward to having you all here with me again next week.